So we're focused on fishing for people today, and I've got a great text um, I'm going to start with uh, this morning, and, um, and it has to do with um, Jesus calling his first disciples. And um, specifically, we're going to look at this text from the Gospel of John and um, dive in the text. So hear these words from the first chapter of John. Um, the next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and he would, well, he had watched Jesus walk by and explain, look, here is the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say, this is, and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, well, the rabbi, which means translated teacher. Where are you staying? He said, well, he said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. And it was about, oh, about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of them, one of the two who heard him speak, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother, Simon, and said to him, We found the Messiah, which translates the anointed one. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You are now to be called Cephas, which means Peter. This is the word of God for the people of God Thanks be to God. So there's another great part of the story. So this is the one story that we find in John where Andrew actually comes and introduces Peter to Jesus, and this is the beginning of this great journey. But we also find in the Gospels, this other, there's another part of the story where Jesus actually goes by, he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he actually um, encounters uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John, and he says, hey, listen, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And so there's, I want to show you one of my favorite clips from the Bible series that actually was put out about 10 years ago. And I, once again, instead of me just reading it, let's just watch it. It's about a minute and a half clip. This is um, Jesus and Peter fishing. Here we go. I I just love that video. I I love that, you know, Jesus is saying to Peter, you know, Peter, I I want you to come and I want you to come follow me. What are we going to do? We're going to go change the world. And so I was thinking about this because, you know, um, when it came to Peter, Peter was not, um, you know, he's a commercial fisherman. Fishing was serious business. So, listen, I had my visual aids this morning. I just want you to know I love to fish. And when it comes to fishing, according to Pastor Harold, fishing is serious business. I just want you to know that. Uh, matter of fact, I, I, I'm so serious about my fishing. I mean, I've got all kinds of great stuff up here. I mean, I've got all kinds. I've got power bait words. I've got worms. I've got speed worms. I've got, I've got culprit worms. I've got a whole box full of crankbaits and all kinds of hooks, and I've got all kinds of different sinkers. I have my favorite rod here this morning. This is not just any rod. This is a Gene Loomis rod. This is a Cadillac rod. You can't buy this at Walmart. They don't sell it. You have to special order it, right? So I got my speed worm on here. I got my three-eighths ounce wor- wor- uh, uh, sinker on here. I got my special hook. Not just any hook, but it's, it's about a dollar hook. Wow. And I've got my five to eight of speed ratio, high speed, supercharged reel from Corrado. Fishing is serious business. Ouch. No, I'm just kidding. And so when I think about this this morning, I started thinking about my own life, your life, our lives together. When it comes to, I mean, when it comes to me fishing, I mean, I love to fish. It's serious business. That's why I've got all this. I, I spend a lot of time and energy, money, um, my little hobby. Everybody has something that's their serious business. I mean, like, for example, what is it? 
Maybe it's golf is your serious business or playing pickleball is your serious business or playing bridge is your serious business. What's your serious business? But the reason why I bring that up this morning, it goes along with the video, it goes along with the text. I mean, how serious are we when it comes to like fishing, uh, fishing for people is, you know, inviting people to have a relationship with Jesus, inviting people to come and be a part of our church. Is that really serious business? I think it's a pretty good question. I don't know if you realize this, but um, when you go back to, I didn't realize, I, when I was doing my research for this week, I didn't realize this. But the earliest Christian symbol for first century, here's, let me show it to you. It's that. Matter of fact, you, sometimes you see this on the back of some people's cars, right? So listen, if you have that Christian symbol in the back of your car, be nice to people in traffic. It's a good thing, right? Okay. But it is the oldest Christian symbol. Um, matter of fact, it's the acrostic for, in the Greek, literally means, here it means, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. That's what ictus means in the Greek. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Savior. And, and so I, I was thinking about this this last week, my, you know, the idea about how serious we are when it comes to these type of things, about, especially when it comes to uh, fishing for people. I mentioned um, last week my, my granddaughter. My granddaughter loves to fish. Matter of fact, this Christmas, I actually bought her a pink fishing rod. She really liked that. And um, matter of fact, last week, I shared with you all that I actually, I was very excited when I gave her a fish. I gave her a, well, I gave her a shark's tooth, but she said she didn't want that. Matter of fact, her grandmother came up with a brilliant idea. Well, let me show you. She painted the shark's tooth pink, and she liked it. I want you to know that. And so this last week, true story, I'm always thinking about Marley, and I was out mowing the grass, and lo and behold, as I'm mowing the grass, I found something else, and I thought, you know what, she might really like this, and so this is what I found. Matter of fact, we got a picture of this, and this is a little bird's nest that I found, and here's a picture of me holding this week, and when I, when I noticed, when I picked it up, um, I'm glad I didn't run over it with a lawnmower, but I thought, you know what, maybe Marley might like this, as long as her grandmother paints it peak, I'm sure she will, and... Um, but what's very interesting about this particular little bird's nest is it somehow it got blown out of the tree, but it looks like it wasn't quite finished. It's um, still, there's still more work to do on this bird's nest that never got done. And I, I think that's a great analogy when we think about what's going on in the story when Jesus comes to Peter and James and John, Andrew. And he says, listen, I want you to come and I want you to come follow me because I'm going to make you fish for, we're going to go fishing for people. And what I think is really powerful by that, because I think what Jesus is saying, listen, we've got so much more to do. And, and, and the reason why we got so much more to do, because I'm going to go and we're going to do something brand new. Do you get that? We have so much more to do because I'm going to, we're going to go do something brand new. We're going to go change the world. And what's very interesting, um, if you go back in the Gospel of Matthew, just before Jesus goes along that Sea of Galilee and starts recruiting his you know, first disciples, um, there's this, this great little tagline. Jesus really lays out what he's all about. He says, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. Repent for the kingdom of God has come. I mean, Jesus is all about ushering something brand new. Repent 
for the kingdom of God. He is, embodies the trend, a brand new vision of what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. And so when I was reflecting upon this this last week, I, I think it's really, really powerful when you put it in perspective because, see, Jesus says at the very beginning of his ministry, and we have this, this, this calling of these fishermen, these uneducated fishermen, the ones who really had, well, they didn't have any much clout with the hierarchy within the Jewish establishment. I mean, they're just plain old ordinary guys, blue-collar guys who are just worked hard for a living. They're commercial fishermen. They take their fishing very, very seriously. And Jesus says, listen, listen, I'm going to leave all that behind and we're going to go catch people because we got something brand new to do because we're going to go change the world. And what I love about that imagery is that, you know, after 2,000 years, he still needs people to go help change the world. Can I amen on that? And so I was, once again, I was reflecting upon this. And so what I, I love about the imagery here is that the very beginning of this imagery, we have Jesus down by the Sea of Galilee and he recruits these fishermen. And you have these imagery, this imagery of Jesus is always really good at this, at using like metaphors, isn't he? And like the idea of, you know, using fish and, you know, the imagery of calling fishermen, um, uh, the idea of like a bird's nest about the idea of um, Jesus says, listen, why do you worry? I mean, look at the birds of the air, right? And then the idea of what I think is also like the, the Jesus has this conversation with Peter. It, it's interesting because it's when it, his whole thing with Peter, it comes full circle, doesn't it? For three years. I mean, he, he calls, G, calls Peter down by the Sea of Galilee and he had the whole fishing experience down there. And then, you know, I'm going to call you to come be fishermen. And then life comes full circle because at the very end of Jesus's ministry, he's already been dead, resurrected from the dead, goes down. He, he, Who is he meeting up with? In the court of the gospel, Peter, have you caught any fish? No, I haven't caught a doggone thing tonight. Well, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And they catch so many fish. Peter jumps overboard and goes and sits down by Jesus. And they have breakfast together. By the way, you know, Jesus was a carpenter, but we also know that he was probably a better fisherman than Peter. Because you go back and look at that story. I love the detail. Because Peter hadn't caught anything the whole night, and Jesus has already got fish on the griddle around the charcoal fire. Uh, you know, there's this, I love the imagery, once again, how Jesus uses the, 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 just the practical, ordinary, he, not only does he call practical, ordinary people like Peter, James, John, Andrew, he just uses the ordinary things, fish, birds, sheep. I mean, the, the idea that, you know, when Jesus has that, I call it the come to Jesus talk with Peter. Peter, do you really love me? After all, Peter's already denied him three times. Peter, do you really love me? And so out of all the different images that Jesus uses when he has the come to Jesus talk with Peter, he uses the image of a sheep. Peter, do you really love me? Well, yes, of course I love you, Lord. Well, take care of my sheep. Tend my lambs. I, I, I just love that, the way that Jesus uses this kind of practical way of, in a simplistic way of bringing the gospel and what the kingdom of God is truly all about. And he uses things like fish and birds and sheep. Once upon a time, Jesus talked about the nine, well, about the 99 sheep, right? And one of them wanders off. He says, listen, I can't let that one get away. Go get it. 
I have all of them together. It was very interesting. You get to the very end of Jesus' ministry, and, and this is what Jesus says, meaning you got the beginning and you got the end. He says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Don't miss the detail. Everything I commanded you, he's telling his disciples, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Everything I commanded you, that's important. I, so I, I love this, this imagery that we find with Jesus. Matter of fact, if you um, go back and want to teach a little bit about the Sea of Galilee. Matter of fact, I got a picture of the Sea of Galilee. So here's a picture of the Sea of Galilee. So you see up to the top there, Bethsaida. That's where Peter was from. He was from a little bit of fishing village up top. He ends up actually selling down by Capernaum. But chances are, evidently, his wife was from Capernaum because we have that miracle that Jesus actually um, heals his mother-in-law, who's from Capernaum. And so Jesus ends up uh, settling up shop, actually setting up shop in Capernaum. I mean, it's Jesus' hometown. Matter of fact, when I've gone to Capernaum, there's the sign, Jesus' hometown. That's what he talks a little bit about uh, after he leaves Nazareth. This is where he finds it. And then, of course, we find Tiberius down there. And then we have Magdala, where Jesus actually has the healing of Mary the Magdala, who's actually has had seven demons in her. There it is. In fact, early we, the tradition says that, I read this last week, there was probably about 230 fishing boats in first century. Peter had one of them. Matter of fact, this is interesting. Here's a picture of an ancient, I've shared this with you. This is the ancient boat that's 2,000 years old. Actually, it's amazing. It was actually found down in the mud. They excavated it back in the 1980s. It was just stuck in time. They brought it back to life, and there's a little museum that we go to. And then here's the picture of what it, well, this is what a boat would have looked like today, um, and actually uh, 2,000 years ago. And can you imagine 13 people in that boat? Kind of amazing, isn't it? 13 people, and you imagine them going in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and they're in a raging sea, and the waves are falling, coming over the bow. Yeah, so that's what it looks like. And so what's very interesting is you put it on perspective. Uh, Jesus, um, once again, seems to know something. I mean, Peter is the one who's the commercial fisherman, but Jesus seems to know a whole lot about fishing. This is what I've figured out in reading the scriptures and reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when it comes to Jesus knowing something about fishing. Here's the first thing. Jesus always seems to know where the fish are. So what's interesting is that not only does Jesus know where the fish are, a lot of times Jesus ends up, well, when the fish are running, he's always fishing. I tell our staff, I say, listen, the fish are running here every Saturday night at New Covenant at 5 o'clock, and they're running on 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning. When the fish are running, we're fishing. And, And don't we all know, I mean, think about this in your own life. When the fish are running, we should be fishing, when the fish are running in your life, well, sometimes the fish are running maybe on the golf course, and maybe sometimes they're running on the pickleball course, or sometimes they're running around a bridge table. The fish are running, we should be fishing. What I love about Jesus is that Jesus always seems to know where the fish are. But think about, like, for example, the, the woman at the well, Jesus is fishing. Uh, the, the woman who, who is hemorrhaging, well, guess what? Jesus is fishing. She comes and finds Jesus. It's interesting that sometimes Jesus goes and finds the fish, and sometimes the fish actually come find him. Over and over again, Jesus heals the blind beggar. 
Jesus heals the widows of Nain's son. Over and over again, Jesus seems to always be fishing. He knows where the fish are, like the guy down the pools of Bethesda. What do you want? Well, I, I just want to be healed, Lord. I have nobody put me down in the water. Stand up, take up your pallet, and go home. Jesus always seems to know where the fish are. And when the fish are running, Jesus is always fishing. Here's this analogy once again. I love this imagery about sheep, birds, fish. But you know, the idea that sometimes in life, we don't want any of the fish to get away. Now, I can tell you from personal experience when it comes to fishing, okay? So, for example, like the, the big fish are always a little bit more difficult to get in. Matter of fact, I went fishing last Sunday. I caught this one. Here's a picture of a fish I caught last Sunday, right? Not bad. Not bad for your senior pastor, okay? So, so um, I, I was, you know, the fish, where the fish are running, I'm fishing. And that particular day, there's a difference between fishing and catching. I was actually catching last Sunday night. And so what's very interesting is that... Um, I had a fish on uh, in January that was probably, can you put that picture back up? I just want to bask. I want to actually gloat on that. That's actually real good. I had a fish on about in January that was probably twice as big as that. It was huge. It was like one of those fish of a lifetime. And so I was so excited that I caught, had this fish on. And the fish came up, and I realized that this, I'm not making this up, by the way. I'm not actually embellishing. This is what preachers sometimes do. They sometimes embellish, especially when it comes to fishing. But I'm not embellishing. I'm not making this up. This was a huge fish. Comes out of the water, shaking around. I had him on for, I don't know, maybe 15, 20, 30 seconds. And, so, and I was so excited. I was trying to get the net and trying to get it in. And all of a sudden, goes off. Lost him. I was so angry and I would have completely out of my mind that I lost the fish of a lifetime. Matter of fact, I had it on this rod and I had it on this lure and I thought, how in the world did I lose that fish? And I looked at the lure and I realized the reason why I lost the fish is because the doggone bit the hook. And I was so frustrated that I took this lure and I took it and threw it in the water. And as the lure was flying through the air, I caught my ear. (laughs) And it flies through my ear and I'm bleeding profusely. And I had nothing to, you know, your ear bleeds. So I had to take off my shirt, so I'm a half-naked preacher in the middle of the lake. To stop the bleeding, I'm thinking, how am I going to explain this to Mrs. Hendren? And so when I got home, she looked at me and says, Harold, 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 right? (laughs) The big ones are sometimes hard to get in. You don't want to miss it. And the reason I tell you that story is that it's so true when it comes to fishing for people. We do not want anybody to get away. Matter of fact, you know, um, someone shared um, with me a few weeks ago, they had come to our church and they had, well, I actually got a little, one of these little cards 
It's called share your thoughts. And so they had shared their thoughts. And one of the things they shared their thoughts was that they didn't really feel like they were welcomed. And I'm thinking, you know, how did that happen? What did we, what, did we miss something here? So um, they were gracious enough to, you know, write down their name. And I called them. And I said, listen, see, here's the thing. Sometimes when it comes to fishing, you got one shot at it. I had one shot at that fish. Matter of fact, I went back the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. Still haven't caught that fish. It's still out there. And so the reason why I shared that, sometimes when it comes to fishing and fishing for people, sometimes we got one shot at it. So I called the family up and I said, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what happened. I just, I apologize. Can you please just give us another shot? Yeah. And they came back. We lived on them. They're here. We're grateful. But it doesn't always work out that way, right? So Jesus teaches us this, this, this great lesson about fishing, fishing for people. And sometimes we only have one shot at it. I think it's really powerful is that um, when it comes to life and our relationship and the body of people, I, I, here, let me give you this. My friend Rod Miller passed away a couple of weeks ago. Some of you all know Rod and, and Sandy. Sandy is the one who was instrumental in actually launching We Have a Library because of Sandy. When the, first, the church was first started, she had a little push cart and she had our little library cart. And so we evolved from a little push cart with a bunch of books on it to what we have, this beautiful library. And you heard an announcement. We're going to revamp our, uh, the, the, the quality of the library by upgrading it, being kind of like when you go to the village's uh, library system, you can just have your card and scan it in. It makes it much more efficient. So we've come a long ways. So Rod passed away. I'm sitting with um, his sons this last week talking about their father. And um, one of the things they shared about, and I didn't realize this about Rod and Sandy. They were always fishing in our church. And, and, she, and they said, and the reason why I picked this, I picked this text tonight, today um, is because of their inspiration as I'm talking to them because they said, you know, my dad... He was always kind of like in the supportive role when it came to fishing. My mother, I, they, their mother was the one who was a little bit more talkative about, but Rob was always kind of, in the, kind of the more supportive. And so what they would do was they would see somebody new and they would invite them to come back to their house so they could get to know them. Wow, they're always fishing. So here's what, I, here's what, it's just a suggestion. So, you know, when I think about, some of you all know each other. Some, you know, we have a tendency after church. Sometimes we have a tendency to gravitate and go to the same people and we talk with our friends. And I, I think that's, that's great. But also it's important that sometimes when we have new people, like last night we had four new people and we just gushed over them. Oh man, we just, whew, we just, and, and, and so we just loved on them, right? And so it's important that when you go out, you know, maybe it's important that we reach out across the aisles and we reach out and maybe meet some people that we maybe never had met before. And so, if, listen, if, if you go up to the person who you maybe you never met before and say, I would strongly suggest, don't go up and admit, this is your opening line. Don't go say, hey, are you new here? Chances are they might say, you know, actually, no, we've been here for 15 years. So don't say, no, maybe the opening line should be something like, this would be a great inter introduction. Wasn't Pastor Harold's sermon today fabulous? <laughs> that would be a great opening line, right? I mean, was it wasn't just good, it was great. So, you, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, my point is, when the fish are running, we should be fishing, right? Um, I, I was, my friend John Affleck, he's going to come to the next service. He'll sit right over here with his wife, Patty. And, and he wrote to me this last week, 
And I had, um, he was talking to me, because John's like the mayor. He's always, John, he is one of those people, the fish are always running. He's always talking to people about Jesus and inviting them to come to church every week. And he invited actually one of his friends named George several years ago, and George is a prominent dentist. He said that George would go around the hall of the world and speak. I mean, his, he was, and so George came to our church. He loved the church. The reason why he ended up at church is because John personally invited him to come and check out our church. And George accepted Jesus in our church. And George died of cancer a couple of years ago. Okay, and then he tells me another story about another guy named John, and he goes on and on and on. And then he tells me last week, my true story, I walk over um, after the service, and he says, Harold, I was at the pool, and I invited this young couple to come. He says, but I'm so disappointed. They told me where they are going to come, but they didn't come. And I turned to John and I said, we keep fishing. Here's this, you know, let me share this with you. Ready? Okay. Hold on this. I thought it was interesting that he invited a younger couple. I appreciated him inviting a younger couple. Because I'm going to give you, I'm going to share something to you that I had no idea that was a pretty powerful statement about how we need to continue to invite people to come to be a part of our church. So here's the statistic. You ready? Can you put that slide up in there? So um, that's not the statistic. That's not it. That's not it. it, it okay, well, this is another way of looking at it. Okay, yes, I recognize. I did not do that slide. We did something different, but thank you all. My, our tech team is amazing, but they're throwing me a complete loop, but that's okay. And, and so what's interesting is... If you look at the statistics, these are how many, we have around 1,950 members in our church, okay? This is what I want you to understand. And the bottom line is the ages. So we have between 70 years old and 90 years old, we have around 1,550 people that are in the age range from 70 to 90. And the rest as you can see, fill in the gaps. And so when I, I, when I read that statistic this last week, it just reminds me that we need, as a church, to continue to invite people to come, be a part of our church as we continue to grow and to be a thriving body of Jesus Christ. We should continue to be fishing. Now, here, here's just a thought. Um, Jesus says at the very beginning of his ministry, as I, I share with you all, he talks about the kingdom of God, okay? He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, okay? And he talks about the importance of, you know, listen, come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. We're going to go do something brand new. What are we going to do? We're going to go change the world, okay? And so the premise of Jesus, the very beginning, right out of the gate, Jesus lays out, and he talks about the importance of repenting. And when I think that's really important, we think about repenting, because we, we really do need, I mean, we, I use this analogy, like, we have just continued to blow through the boundaries, 
Jesus says, listen, you know, you go back to the creation story. There's, as I, I, I mentioned, actually, I don't think I mentioned it this service, but I mentioned it on Saturday night service. There's a, what I call the tale of two Adams. You got the first Adam, you got two creation stories. The first Adam, seemed, and he's made in God's image. And so everything's perfect. And they have this, these great qualities that you see in man, that they're qualities that you find in God. But then you get to the second Adam story where everything just kind of falls all apart. I mean, you know, Adam just basically, God says, don't go near the tree of good and evil. Don't go, don't even go near it. Don't touch it unless you die. And so Adam and Eve blow right through the boundaries. No wonder we need repentance. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? I don't know about you all, but we all understand what it, what it feels like to, sometimes in our lives we've gone through boundaries. I remember when I was a kid, my mom and dad told me this right out of the gate. Harold Ray, yes, mom and dad. When you walk to school, there is a, well, there is in the backyard a dog. It's a German shepherd. Do not stick your hand through the fence. What did I do? Stuck my hand through the fence. What did the dog do? He bit me. Duh, right? Blew right through the boundary. Harold Ray, do not jump over the fence where the ditch is. Because if you jump over the ditch, you might get bit by a snake or something dreadful might happen to you. What did Harold Ray do? Bam, jumped right over the fence. Came home, mud all over myself. My mother says, where have you been? Nowhere. <laughs> jumped right through the boundary. Laura Slippy, much smarter than me. Laura Slippy knew everything about everything. And somehow when it came to test day, my eyes always ended up on her side, on her paper, right? Bam, went through the right. I knew it wasn't the right thing to do, but I just couldn't help myself because I didn't want to fail. Blew right through the boundaries. Hey, do you know what? Here's a little, let me let you learn a secret. Sometimes even blowing through the boundaries even happens here in the villages. Hold on. You know we have these little gates? They're everywhere. You know what happens to the gates? People knock them over. Came through one this morning. There it was, off to the sign. Little, little sign there says stop. Right? You all know what happens here in the villages. Blow through the boundaries. Jesus says repent for the kingdom of God has come near. And Jesus says, listen, we're going to go do something brand new. He says, and Jesus says, I give you a brand new covenant that's established with the world. By the way, Jesus, when it comes to fishing, he's never selective, is he? He's always inclusive of everybody. I love that about Jesus. The leper, the prostitute, the woman at the well, the Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And so you, you get this imagery that, you know, once again, Jesus is, he's always fishing. Because it's serious business. Jesus took his fishing seriously. And Jesus has called upon us as New Covenant United Methodist Church, a place to go home. We should be fishing. It's our calling. Matter of fact, it's the earliest Christian symbol. It's the fish. Uh, so I close with this little thought. Um, 
Uh, you know, uh, very interesting. I don't know, two or three years ago, I was in this little, my lake that I fish in. And so, um, so I had this, I had a really good fish on. And um, I, remember, I remember seeing the fish. I remember the lure I had on. I remember him come up and hitting it. I remember him taking the lure. I remember watching him go down into the water. And I'm thinking, man, I've got you. Set the hook. Broke the line. Ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. That one got away. I don't know, maybe six months, a year later, guess what I find? I find the lure. I found the lure. So I picked it up, and I thought, well, that's interesting. It's all roached out, rusted out. What's interesting is, and I thought, you know what? I don't know where I'm going to use this, but somewhere I'm going to use this in a sermon. And, and, and so I've kept it for the last, I don't know, maybe a year or so. It's just been sitting there. It eventually came out of the fish. Here's the reality is, I would have rather caught the fish. And what I think that's really, really important when it comes to life, when it comes to fishing, if I would have caught the fish, guess what? I would have let it go. This is what we call Jesus' catch and release program. And Jesus would do this. Jesus is all about catching fish and release them into living water. <laughs>